0: I don't think it's ever a good omen when some of the first people we meet in the morning are unhappy, frustrated, and bitter. And then they complain that they're frustrated at not being in control of their lot in life. It's not a fun group to start the day. Now before you start making a mental note Of just who those people might be in your life on any given day. This morning I'm referring to the people in the scriptures. Elijah is so upset he wants to die. It's not explained why, but we know from other passages in the scripture that Queen Jezebel wants his head for some other reason. And so that is enough for him to be pretty upset. He feels that he has been faithful, doing God's work as a prophet, and he expected a better return for his labor. So he's fed up with life, he wants to be in control of it, and when he can't manage that, he tells God to just end it, which is never a good idea to tell God. Paul tells us that the Ephesians have taken up their own form of bitterness, fury, angry, shouting, and reviling. We know these kinds of things can happen a lot in any community. But like Elijah, the Ephesians appear to be close to what God has called them to be. <clears throat> they... They have the example of Jesus and we're thinking probably still in their living memory still lurking there in their thoughts or so Paul thinks and he's justifiably upset with them how can they rejoice in the life of the Spirit living like that in the gospel John tells us the crowds were murmuring which is kind of a nice way of saying complaining or remember their ancestors, we are told, grumbled. And they're complaining about what Jesus is saying. They think he is blaspheming, because he says he has come down from heaven. In other words, for them, he is playing God. And how can, they, how can he do that after all? They know who he is. We know his parents, they say. He's one of us. Shouldn't someone, like, take control over this outrageous behavior? Does he really think he's God? Where does he get off claiming to come down from heaven? Into each of these situations, the compassion and the providence of God brings both hope and a new sense of purpose and direction in life. For Elijah and the people of the gospel, that intervention by God is symbolized in bread. Bread of life and bread for life. For Elijah, the messenger of God, is an angel who brings food and water, not once, but twice. The author says, that the angel touches Elijah. I could imagine the angel coming in, patting Elijah on the head, said, now, 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 Elijah. And then utters this great line: get up and eat, for the journey will be too long for you. Paul's reminder to the Ephesians is not so subtle, as he reminds him that they are anointed by the Spirit. And he says, do not grieve the Spirit, because you are the blessed children of God. You've been redeemed by Christ, he tells them, and only love is asked of you. Kindness is your food. The Gospel Jesus' response to the ones who murmur, one of the most profound teachings of the gospel. He calls himself bread six times in today's text, a total of 17 times in all of chapter 6. And so we can understand how this text is at the heart of the Church's teaching theology on Eucharist. When Jesus calls himself living bread, he addresses theirs and our deepest hunger, not our hunger for control or power or even reward, but a hunger for a consciousness of being unconditionally loved by God, a love that sustains us. This is the spiritual hunger that brings us into this community where we discover that communion is more than just being fed. It is in belonging to each other and realizing that together and only together, we are able to take up the journey of Jesus' mission. Elijah, we are told, continued on to Mount Horeb to a place of yet another encounter with God. And I think Isn't that a symbol of what our life is? It's a series of encounters with God. Whether we are weary or jubilant, whether we lament or rejoice, spiritual journeys are a series of intersections with the presence of a God who simply won't leave us alone sends moments, sends other people, sends the invisible messenger who taps us on the head or the shoulder and says, now, now, I love you. The words of Paul describe what these encounters should look like. To set aside bitterness and anger, shouting and malice, and take up compassion, kindness, and forgiveness. Without that food, that food of word and table, and without the food of each other's company, the journey will simply be too long. Taste and see the goodness of the Lord.